Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. Gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Gerald is here with you, of course, and as always, I have a guest host with me, a co-host coming in this week to discuss the topic at hand, and we are back into the world of cinema. We're going to be talking movies again. We recently did a couple music episodes, but we are back to talk movies, and I got a friend of mine that I met through social media, podcasting, YouTubing, that kind of stuff. I'm a big fan of his channel on YouTube, and he's been on this show before, uh, Jonathan, aka The Film Drunk. What's up, man? Welcome back. What is up, man? Good, good to be back. And I'm just, yeah, I, I was a fan of your podcast last time. So when you went away, I was so sad. But now you're back, full force. I know, I know the hiatus is over. The hiatus exactly. is over. I'm, like I'm Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan unretiring. <laughs> is that it? I got the four or five on. That's, that. a, that's right. I'm doing it big. Yep. Well, you came on last year. We did uh, best Oscar performances of the decade or something like that, right? Yep. Um, yep. Of the last ten right. years. Yeah. I remember right. Natalie Portman being on the graphic and. We both talked about Black Swan a little bit. But. Oh, of course. So we're talking movies, man, and you're the film drunk. Uh, you know, I like to do this up top. You know, on the old iteration of the show, I would do it kind of at the end. And, you know, we'll wrap up at the end, of course. But I wanted you to kind of tell people that might not be familiar with you, kind of like what you do, where they can find you. Tell them a little bit about the Film Drunk channel that you have over there, man. Yeah, um, it is the Film Drunk on YouTube. That's where I started. I started in uh, the pretty much the peak of lockdown in 2020, because what else are you going to do? I mostly just obviously talk about movies. But as I've come to find out, my audience and myself obviously really care about the Oscars, for some reason, we put ourselves through those tortures <laughs> yeah, why together. Why do we do that? <laughs> no idea why, but uh, that's essentially where you, you'll you find me. If you even know of me, that's probably what you know of me from. And uh, yeah, just that on Twitter, the phone drunk, letterbox, just plugging away. And I tinker away with uh, video editing a little bit too and uh, different edits and stuff. And you do a lot of really cool ones, man. So I oh, appreciate that. Uh, I think I told you this the last time you were on and I've probably even dropped a couple comments over there on YouTube, but I'm a big fan of the edits you do, especially like Oscar time when you do the, um, you know, cause they didn't, they didn't announce the nominees that one year and you just took it upon yourself to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was crazy. That one ended up on like Reddit and everything. So that, yeah, that, that was, was one of the greatest, that was one of the greatest for sure. <laughs> appreciate and, uh, that. We owe, you know, us film fans, owe you a debt for giving us what we should have gotten <laughs> from the people that got paid to do that. You it know? could all be so simple if they just tried. <laughs> I know, man. So I, I sent you some topics, Jonathan, that you know were options that we could discuss tonight. And this happens every once in a while, although not extremely often, believe it or not. It's kind of a rare episode because we're talking about one singular person tonight, mm-hmm. uh, one individual. You want to tell the folks what we're talking about tonight, what the top five is? Our episode tonight is on the one and only 
David Fincher movies. Yes, what a guy. So we're, yeah, what, what a dude, man. So we're going to give our top five David Fincher films. Now, uh, I want to talk a little bit about, before we get into the actual list, and don't give away too many you know, uh, titles up here at the top, Jonathan, but mm-hmm. I, for it, it was a little tougher because... I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to you and ask you. But what I was going to say is, in my opinion, he's doing high quality stuff. Uh, it's definitely more quality than quantity, I would say, yeah. when it comes to David Fincher. Uh, when you were coming up with your list for this, did, did you kind of recognize that as well? Yeah, for sure. Like to me, my five were pretty easy to come up with. It was really just the order that mm-hmm. that was kind of up in the air. But I mean, you you said he hasn't done a ton of movies. I know he obviously stepped away for Mindhunter and everything like that. But I mean, his stuff is just goaded. Just so much quality stuff, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at his IMDb before we got on the call here, and I, did you know he did so many music videos? I didn't realize that. Did you know that? Yeah, I, yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, obviously not, like, in the moment, but having come to really love David Fincher, yeah, I did yeah. know that he did a lot of music videos before. Yeah, I knew he had directed some, like, I knew he had a great relationship with Madonna and mm-hmm. a couple others, but I didn't know, it was like 50 music videos on his oh, IMDb. Yeah. yeah, he goes crazy. I was like, wow, you went hard back in the 80s, 90s. But uh, Paul Abdul and some other 80s tunes that I loved, I didn't even realize he was the director of those videos. I know. But it makes sense that I love him so much, uh, <laughs> finding that after, after the fact. Yeah. Well, in looking at Letterboxd, because, you know, IMDb kind of does everything. So in looking at Letterboxd, which I use frequently, he's directed 14 uh, feature-length films. Hmm. So there were 14 eligible titles for the countdown tonight. Now, this might be a quicker episode, because what do you think, man? I'm thinking, obviously, some crossover, right? Like, we're going to oh, have some matchups for yes, sure. got to be. Okay, so we can just kind of turn this into a David Fincher love fest as we go through <laughs> the countdown, because it's probably going to be like, yep, I have that one. Yep, that's mine, too. Yep. Um, where does he rank for you in terms of, like your all-time list for filmmakers. You, oh, we should tell people you, you your first, well, I don't know if it was your first choice, but you were also interested in doing Christopher Nolan and already had a guest on for that. Yeah. But so I guess Nolan maybe is in this, this bucket for you too, but where does Fincher kind of rank for you? Fincher is like one or two, honestly. Oh, wow. He, okay. He is so up there. I mean, I, you know, just being like my age and when I got into movies, like obviously like Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese are like yeah. great, but I don't know if I have like that kind of relationship with them that I think other people probably do where they, you know, some people saw like Jurassic Park in theaters or, you know, right. Jaws or, or whichever. Like I have, I have zero relationship with that. Right. I do not have a relationship like that with even Tarantino and all those directors would probably be somewhere in my 10, but I don't sure. really have that kind of relationship for whatever reason, David Fincher I like kind of do have a relationship with, <laughs> which is really weird to say, considering when I got into movies and how old I was like during this whole run. Right. But for whatever reason, the two movies that I remember in 2010 mm-hmm. when I was 12 or 13 mm-hmm. was Toy Story 3 and The Social Network. That's, no. good. That's a good duo, man. <laughs> yeah. Fire, fire duo. But yeah. I, I know for a fact I saw that in theaters and I really loved it. And wow. I have no idea why, because my child brain, you know, was all over the place probably. Mm-hmm. But that's when I was like, I'm I'm kinda I'm kinda into this guy. And as I got more into movies, I was like, this guy just he just keeps he like it hits some spot in me. I don't even know, in my brain that just connects. 
Yeah, I can feel everything you're saying, man. I mean, he's he's easily probably in my like top five filmmakers too. I mean, I would have Tarantino in there. I would have Scorsese in there. I'm a big fan, especially like in the '90s of like Oliver Stone. Uh, I loved a lot of stuff he did, and even like more recently, like filmmakers like Alex Garland and just kind mm-hmm. of the cinematography and the beauty and a lot of the films that they make. Yeah, uh, speak to me on a different level than where I was, you know, as a college kid in the '90s. But I think Fincher just hit me at the right time in my life. I'm going to talk about one movie in particular tonight that'll come up on my list and that was like the first that movie and Pulp Fiction were like the first two movies that really turned me into like a guy that goes to the movie theater Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean like I had to go see stuff on the big screen whereas before that you know 94 95 era I was I was okay watching it on TV or HBO or renting it at the video store or like which of course I still love to do all that stuff too but it was like when there were cinematic events because of these couple movies that came to me at the right time and I graduated uh, high school in 94 Mm -hmm. started started college in 94. Um, So obviously a very impressionable age and David Fincher's career kind of took off right at the same time that I was kind of getting into movies. So Mm -hmm. he's a big deal to me too, man. I'm kind of eye to eye with you there. I would say he's easily in my top five uh, movie directors. There we go. So uh, let's get into it, man. Again, this might be a breezy episode because I feel like we're going to have a ton of crossover, but we can, like I said, we can just kind of turn it into a Fincher love fest, but I'll let you get us started, Jonathan. What is your number five David Fincher film and why, buddy? All right, my number five is Fight Club. Ooh, okay. So, don't know if that's on your list or not, but yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> a little bit higher, but it definitely is. Yeah, um, you know, th- I'll say the reason this isn't higher is because the the twist was spoiled for me before oh, I ever saw the movie. No. Yeah, just like you know, once again before my channel, before anything like that, you know, just scrolling through Instagram Explore, and you see these film Instagram pages. And like so many times I would see the twist of Fight Club. So w- once I actually decided, like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to watch Fight Club. I'll be honest. It was kind of just in my mind because I knew that was coming and I knew it was happening. So that is probably 100 percent why it is not higher. Having mm-hmm. said that, this movie is like is still so good. <laughs> it really is. Even with the spoiled twist, it, it still absolutely works. And yeah. it has so many like interesting themes and obviously i'm so interested in or i'm fascinated by david fincher and his directing style obviously he's known for doing a lot of takes for seemingly little little things which is just very fascinating to me like i said Mm -hmm. but fight club has so many broad ideas and yeah at the end of the day if you just want to watch it as an entertaining movie for two hours it absolutely is that and it's arguably his most iconic maybe in terms of what people remember but fight club is it's great yeah i mean fight club you you might be right there you know i don't know if i'm i don't know if i'm ready to like make that statement but when you said it it kind of makes sense because like even the quote like nobody talks about fight club i mean yeah Mm -hmm. i mean that's a pop culture zeitgeist thing that exists you know 20 plus years later so yeah i mean there's a reason for that i don't know that there's a lot of other lines from his films that are you know, constantly being regurgitated in pop culture. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I agree with you, man. I mean, it's coming up on my list later, uh, you know, and, and we'll probably talk about this in some other films and other uh, discussion that we have tonight too. But like, you know, his relationship and working relationship with Brad Pitt is just fucking like unmatched, dude. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, what Brad Pitt did in Fight Club, <laughs> it was just 
on a whole nother level. I mean, I love that guy anyway, you know, recently winning his Oscar for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But and I, and I love that and I championed him to win that that year. But, mm-hmm. you know, movies like this and a couple other ones, actually, that I'll mention tonight, uh, his performance was just like top, top tier from from Brad Pitt's perspective as an actor and all his years in Hollywood. And I was just so impressed with what he did in this movie. And I feel like you know, his dedication to Fincher and kind of wanting to relay, you know, what Fincher was trying to, the story he was trying to tell, you know, the passion there really comes across too. So mm-hmm. I'll talk a little bit about it here in a second. It is higher up on my list, but great pick, man. It's one of my favorites. Yep. My number five might be a bit of a surprise. It's a movie that I revisit probably too often. <laughs> <laughs> I probably shouldn't watch it as often as I do, uh, but I own it. I watch it all the time. It's actually a little bit later, David Fincher's from 2002, but it's Panic Room. Oh, Good All pick. Right. Good pick. I, I love this movie. I love kind of the claustrophobic psychology of this film. Um, David Fincher's really in his wheelhouse here, and he's really using kind of like, I mean, Jodie Foster, yes. Uh, obviously, I, I think you know this already, but I'm a huge Case Stu fan. I love Kristen Stewart. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got young Case Stu here kind of doing her thing early in her career. And this, like, leaning on those really character heavy performances in this movie, because a lot of David Fincher films. Um, are not claustrophobic. Like they're very kind of like open world, open spaces. Yeah. A lot of a lot of different characters, a lot of different shit going on around you and in different cities and all of you know, all this other stuff going on. But in Panic Room, it's very confined. I mean, you do feel uh, kind of trapped with these characters. And I love the actors in this movie. And you got some great you know, performances from like Dwight Yoakam, Jared Leto, which has been divisive lately among the Oscar <laughs> community. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I don't know, man. Early 2000s, those guys, I mean, it was just great casting. It was perfect. Yeah. Every Everybody really gave their their best performances in this, uh, for Fincher in this, I feel like. And it's, rem- it's remained one of my favorites. I feel like it's a bit of a dark horse in Fincher's catalog, but I love this mm-hmm. movie, so that's why it's my number five. What do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, Panic Room isn't in my top five, but honestly, this is one that I think I, I've I've come to appreciate more after I watched it because in the hands of another director, I think this movie is probably like insanely forgettable. Like we probably get like (laughs) 300 of these a year probably, but Fincher makes it, like you said, memorable. I mean, the way he kind of flexes a little bit, that's like, sure. In terms of his career, he's like kind of flexing in terms of just like one house, one location Mm -hmm. and everything he does with the camera movements. And honestly, I was thinking, as you said it, Jared Leto is like great in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, Jared Leto has been good in every like team up with David Fincher. Not that there's a ton, but he's, he's great in the movie. So like the performances are great. I I really like panic room. I've been thinking about it actually to rewatch it. Yeah, you should, man. I watch it like once or twice a year. It's one of my favorite kind of like thrillers, you know, Mm. uh, the thing with Jared Leto too, just to touch on that real quick. I, I mean, I think the dude is a, is a tremendous actor. Like I really do. Like, I think he's a very talented actor and does a lot of, I hated his take on the Joker. (laughs) <laughs> but that but that aside, I think he does a lot of great stuff and he's obviously honed that craft. I don't yeah. really know where the hate comes from um, amongst the awards community. I, I, you know, I'm not saying I necessarily even disagree with it because I kind of cringe with mm-hmm. the Morbius and all that crap. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't dislike the guy. It's just a, is that a weird thing, though? Do you get what I'm saying? Like, no, I don't, yeah. In, in other words, I don't feel like he's done anything to piss us off, but we're still pissed off. 100 percent. I mean, I actually <laughs> kind of agree with you. Like. You know, I I thought House of Gucci was like, okay. I Mm -hmm. actively did not like his performance in House of Gucci, but that's kind of what I kept it to. I would always kind of preface by being like, I don't think Jared Leto is like a bad actor by any means. Now, 
you know, obviously we, we don't have, we don't have to get into this. I don't think we will. That's like, okay. Sure. There's some like I guess some like personal stuff that is a little weird to me. Yeah. It's that I'm not even a hundred percent sure what's true, what's not, and that is maybe where the hate's coming from. And yeah, also his be. lately his selection of movies have been pretty off if i could say i mean morbius is ironically funny but it is like not a good movie (laughs) and you said it he's probably the most hated for joker in suicide squad i think that actually might be just where where the like the real fire started for the hatred where people are like you might be right what is happening but you know all that aside i yeah he's he's a good actor he's, I mean, a, good he's actor. a good actor you know it's it's what and i get what you're saying with the personal stuff too and that kind of creeps in sometimes and, yeah you know i don't know i just feel like it's just a weird kind of cloud over it him is. and I, it is weird I, I, like i said i don't even it's not like i even disagree with it i just don't really know where it, why it's there I yeah. don't know. It's i'm just not a, a jared thing. leto defender by any means i'm just kind of it is what it is you know yeah yeah, I'll yeah. Judge well, his I mean, performance. He, he, he's doing his thing man so yeah. whatever if he's happy i'm happy i guess Sure. All right, man. So you had Fight Club at five. What is your number four, David Fincher flick? My number four is Zodiac, which yeah, good one. is some people say it is his masterpiece, which mm. I can't even really disagree. And as I started with Fight Club, kind of saying why it's lower, Zodiac probably would be higher because this would be 100% my shit. And it is because obviously it's on the list. But rewatchability kind of matters for me in like a legacy or like a whole top five type of deal and i'm sorry zodiac is like really long <laughs> and sometimes i just would rather watch another one of his movies having said that i mean zodiac is such like a huge piece and you just are watching jake gyllenhaal amongst others just become slowly obsessed and mm-hmm. i kind of love those type of movies and then you sprinkle in a little journalism love good journalism movie you know spotlight mm-hmm. five stars you yep. combine all that along with the serial killer shit which which is 100% in David Fincher's bag, which is, I'm so excited for The Killer with Michael Fassbender whenever that comes out. Oh, yeah, I know, me too. Yeah, I mean, Zodiac is, I don't know, I feel like he kind of tapped into something with with that it feels like they're in terms of specific scenes i think they rival some of his best ever i mean i guess i guess i won't really spoil that much of it but you're fine like robert downey jr before iron man and everything it's like just like awesome and then jake gyllenhaal i know there's reports that he kind of broke his brain with how many takes and everything Mm -hmm. but i think oddly enough that set jake gyllenhaal up on his career path now where he's regarded as like one of the best actors we have because yeah, of all I mean, the, that could be said. Sure. Like of all the movies and choices that he made after Zodiac is like very interesting to me, but regardless Zodiac is, is just like a huge movie for him. It oddly feels like his biggest and like the stuff that he tackled the most and most ambitious. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't know. I, I love it though. Well, Fincher, you know, doing a biopic too, which mm. is really is different, you know, for yeah. him and his filmography, at, at least at that point. And he was kind of in that zone with, with another film I'm sure we'll talk about that you already mentioned. But just generally speaking, like he took this real world serial killer story and kind of created this Fincher universe around it. And it was a little bit of both. You know, it was a little bit of Fincher. It was a little bit of real life and history. It, it's not in my top five, but it is an honorable mentions. It's a great movie. I love it. I think the reason it probably didn't crack my top five is because I'm like, 
I think I told you this last time you came on, Jonathan. I'm like the cranky old man in my front yard shaking my fist <laughs> in the sky when a movie goes over two hours. Yeah, you know, no, I'm just I, like, I feel why? Yeah. Like, let's wrap this up, guys. Yeah. It's just a little long for me, especially like in the middle of 100%, that movie. It is really long. But it is a great film, and it's an achievement for sure. So uh, very easy that I could see it in your top five. So that's your number four. Zodiac, great pick, man. So my number four is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. From Dang. 2011. It's a remake, obviously. But, you know, Fincher just said, fuck it, guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, totally. You know, the lore of this book series and how successful it was overseas and everything else. And he just really made it his own. And just it was a really fucked up story that he and I'm not saying necessarily the original did this, but. I prefer his version just because, like, he doesn't hold back. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you see Certainly. everything regardless of how uncomfortable it is or how taboo it might be or, you know, cringeworthy it might be. Uh, you have to live through that just like Elizabeth, our main character, uh, who I thought was nailed by Rooney Mara in this film. Uh, Daniel Craig, you know, James Bond, like, sh- sure. You know, I mean, I, I like him. Like, I'm, I'm not – I don't dislike him. But this was just – this is so different for him, man. Like, this is uh, – you know, we're not talking Knives Out. Daniel Craig here. I mean, this this is just a dark, <laughs> gritty film with some dark, gritty performances. It's hard to watch at times, but you know, with Fincher at the helm, and it, it, you'll see when I get like to my my number two, my number one, and so on. Like whenever Fincher. Uh, takes on something that's hard to watch, it's, you can't look away. Like he does such a great job at kind of like making you watch what, what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he did that for a lot of this movie. You know, the score, the soundtrack, Trent Reznor, I mean, it's a freaking banger. Uh, I love this movie. It's, it's, it's dark and demented, uh, yep. but I think that, I think that's why I love it. Cause it's kind of a standout in his catalog for that reason. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, that one, that's actually a recent watch for me, I guess, recently okay. in terms of the last, I don't know, two years or whichever. And, you know, the whole COVID thing has just flown by. How do you remember? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does not make my list kind of for the same reason that Zodiac didn't make your list. It is also very, very long. <laughs> it is. And it is like you said, it is so fucked up. I hadn't, mm-hmm. I did not read the book. You know, I don't. People, my people know they i don't really read i don't i don't really read books so i certainly did not and i have i've never seen the original but oh okay when i watched it i was like oh my god this is like mm-hmm. so dark and such a fucked up movie and you said he does not shy away from that no, not at, at all. all not at all and you know the the original the swedish film like you you know it doesn't shy away from it either it's the same story essentially but mm-hmm. you get the sense that they did kind of like at least when you watch Fincher's because in my case I saw Fincher's and then I saw the original mm-hmm. and so seeing it like that you go well why didn't they show this why are they holding back this do you, you see what I'm saying but yeah. I'm sure when it came out nobody was thinking that it was right. just as fucked up it was just as in your face yeah um, and it's a great movie too I just prefer uh, Fincher's version of it mm-hmm. yeah I mean but, it's, it's fantastic I mean <laughs> once again the movie's on my like honorable mentions they are still like great movies for the most part you know the Mm -hmm. only i really only dislike one of his movies and i don't even know if that was his fault but (laughs) you 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 said i mean the girl with dragon tattoo is fantastic rooney mara that's when i was really like holy shit is she like one of the best actresses like we have like today for for whatever reason i did not really ever see that in her and the movie is like obviously so dark that i'm even surprised that it it racked up some nominations and even a win at the oscars i know uh, Rooney Mart, she uh, is she in the group with women talking that's coming out? Or? She is. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, her sister Kate, I love too, and I couldn't remember. I just wanted to make sure I had that right. I can't remember if it was her or Rooney in that, but yeah. 
Yeah, okay, so Girl with the Dragon Tattoo from 2011's My Number 4. What do you got at number 3, buddy? And not not really a similar vein, but similar in terms of, I think, the lead actress performance is absolutely incredible. And it is my girlfriend's favorite movie of all time. And my number three is Gone Girl, which Ooh, is okay. more recent Fincher, if you could say that. I don't really, <laughs> you know, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it is concerning that's my girlfriend's favorite movie of all time. I was going to say, I was going to come back to that because... <laughs> leading with that i'm like wait a second wow yeah maybe, you might want to look over your shoulder bro. yeah maybe that should be a little concerning but wow honestly like gillian flynn who you know wrote the novel and then adapted for the screenplay is i think that's like a much harder job than people realize it's not just mm-hmm. translating i mean obviously i don't need to get into all that but the way it unfolds is really what i like about it it's what i like about it even more than a zodiac where and i think it is perfectly cast in in my Mm -hmm. opinion the ben Mm -hmm. affleck just kind of because you have to somewhat believe that he did or did not kill her rosamund pike you have to kind of see that and ben affleck not as an insult i could see him doing something like that sure yeah i could see him being 100 innocent i could see him maybe snapping a little bit so that i think it's a perfectly cast movie i think rosamund pike might be my favorite performance in a fincher movie uh, I think wow, it is that okay. good. It has obviously stood the test of time. It has become the poster child for the good for her cinema, pretty sure. much, if you are aware of that little movement, which I support 100%. But in, in the middle where it flips perspectives and then it kind of takes on from Rosamund Pike's character, Amy, that's when I was really like, okay, this movie has like, I am so in this movie right now. I don't know if anything could break my like concentration. Because right. not having read the book, obviously, once again, sitting either in the theater or watching my friends, I don't even remember. I was like so captivated because it was really just a murder mystery, mm-hmm. if I could put it down to simply. And mm-hmm. it also has such a dark and like fucked up scenes that yeah, I'm dude. sure you probably already remember. You know, Neil Patrick Harris, what's yeah, good? That, that, that one one is man. really yeah. tough. And I don't know. I just, this movie kind of, it's just awesome i don't know it's amazing another another kind of genius casting there too with neil patrick harris for that for that particular role and what happened <laughs> yeah. what happens to him yep um but you know he yeah i mean they know what they're doing over there man they know how to make movies you know uh the fincher and his crew um mm-hmm. uh, that he brings with him on a lot of these films but you know i'm not a ben affleck hater but i've also I, i'm also not necessarily like a fan of his mm-hmm. uh, i think he's done some good stuff but it, but you're absolutely right that in this movie that was almost like the kind of actor like and I'm yes. not, this is going to sound like like i'm kidding but i also think of matt damon in the same way like yeah, matt yeah. damon could have also been in that role and you would sure. kind of be like did he kill her or like what's going on here so uh ben affleck was was a perfect casting choice for this movie and i've loved him and some other stuff that he's done too so not to take anything away from his career but but what rosman pike did in this bro forget it i mean you know i don't know i actually i'm gonna look back at fincher's filmography after you said that because now i'm actually wondering if maybe that is the best performance in a fincher movie yeah i mean i think i have one other one that might rival it uh um and i'll and i'll tell you when that movie comes up on on my list or probably on both of our lists if i had to guess but yeah uh but that's the only one off the top of my head that would maybe rival her performance in in this but it's it's like it's like you're pulling for her but you're like scared shitless of her at the same time like you know it's just a weird dynamic that she creates in this movie and um hey good for her you know (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah i read that david fincher cast her one because you know this is david fincher and he's freaking weird he liked the fact that she was like an only child which Mm. one that's just wild to me but also 
he said that he prides himself on being able to read actors. And he said okay. that he saw her in certain things and he could never get a read on her. And he oh, liked that. So that's why okay. he cast her. So just like, see, like Fincher just operates on some weird shit. Like, why are you even thinking about an only child? That's, but yeah. Yeah, genius stuff. Genius stuff. Kind of yep. like abstract stuff that he's using there. So. Yeah, for real. But, you know, I think of her character much like, you know, Florence Pugh in, in Midsummer, where it's like, good for you. Yeah, <laughs> you guys, exactly. You guys are doing yeah. your thing. All right. Yeah, sure. Uh, be happy in life. Okay. All right. So you already mentioned my number three, so we can just touch on it briefly, but it is Fight Club. Mm. It's my number three. Uh, obviously not my favorite Fincher film, but I think very highly of it. Uh, we already kind of talked about how it literally changed the landscape of pop culture. Uh, you know, a lot of things still get quoted from this movie today. I fortunately was not spoiled the plot twist when I saw this in the theater. I loved it so much and my mind was so blown by what I, what happened in the, in the plot twist that I took my then girlfriend and her dad to see it <laughs> oh, for, for a second viewing. Nice. Yeah. And, and, and her dad's like, what the fuck did you take me to see? What is this? You know, but we spent like, you know, you did that thing where you spend time in the parking lot after talking about it and yeah. trying to, you know, talk through it and figure out what happened. And, you know, Fincher does that really, really well with psychological thrillers or psychological movies and uh, Fight Club is obviously that you know I love the dark kind of gritty you know green hues and just kind of like almost like the world that you're watching is sick almost like Mm -hmm. it's like a sickly world you know and you're kind of watching it what Edward Norton does I think is great I already mentioned how much I love Brad Pitt in this movie and some great kind of like sub characters that show up in the film too so another awesome soundtrack also oh yeah from from 90s yeah rip, rip meatloaf Awesome. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Rest in peace, brother. Yeah. So that's uh, that was your number five. It's my number three. Fight Club. got And surprisingly, our only crossover so far. So I, I thought we'd, I was ha- just I thought we'd have a, yeah, I thought we'd have a lot more so far, but maybe we're getting there. So what, yeah. what's your runner up, buddy? Maybe, maybe we match here. So my my number two is seven. Mm-hmm. So th- this is one that I guess I didn't even realize how much I loved it until the last like 20, 30 minutes. Um, as as mentioned, David Fincher in his bag with serial killers. Just yeah, a weird man. thing to say. I happen to be very interested in that sort of detective crime serial killer stuff. Just kind of growing up watching those like, you know, Dateline NBC, you know, type, type of shows or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So Seven was so interesting to me because it was like Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman. Obviously, I just was not even aware of this movie's existence growing up. And then I saw it a couple years ago and I was just so captivated on the seven deadly sins i just thought that was such a cool like kind of trope to kind of or through line to use throughout the entirety of the movie and then obviously what what really solidified it is the whole reveal and once again those last 20 30 minutes the way the score is just mm-hmm. bumping i mean it's it's a feeling that cannot be replicated for me that that first that first time because i was my mind it was like I, I think my jaw was actually like open like on the floor like i just i had no idea what was going on obviously the line what's in the box has become kind of famous i i yep. guess you could say yep. but sure. the ending wasn't spoiled for me so that certainly helps i had no idea who the killer was so with everything that has gone on with that killer kind of funny also so yeah. seven it was just it's like it just sings it just sings it flows and it ties a nice little dark ass bow at the at the end and and i love it for that reason i agree with everything you said man i'm gonna hold my commentary though 
that's coming up on my list. <laughs> okay, all right. I think we might have an old swapperoo yeah, in our I, top probably, two here. Probably. But let's just say I wholeheartedly agree with everything you said on seven. So that's your runner-up. Mm-hmm. My runner-up's the social network. Oh, so, interesting. So, so are we doing a little <laughs> we, flip We 100% swapper? are doing a flip-flop there. All right, so we'll segue, and I'll let you touch on social network, and then I'll talk a little bit about seven here in a second. But yeah, social network's my runner-up from 2010. Obviously, we already kind of talked about how much I love when Fincher kind of dips his toe in the biopic and like telling a biographical story based on real people. And you know, you're a younger guy than I am, even. So this may have even spoken to you a little louder than it did me at the time. But you know, this is our world. This is a modern story about social media and you know Facebook specifically, but. You know, the rise of the social media giant, you know, uh, really starting dating all the way back to like MySpace, they talk about in the movie. And uh, what was it, Face? Uh, what was it initially? It was the Facebook, yeah, I the guess, Facebook. initially. But, you know, infancy stages of what would become this huge landscape of social media that we have today. And it's just so fascinating, you know, mm-hmm. and the way that David Fincher, you know, told the story cinematically, but also the screenplay by Aaron Sorkin, who we know is one of the great screenwriters of all time. Yeah. And the two of them combined, you know, the way they tell this is really like a courtroom drama. I mean, yeah. it's really the way the film is, at least half of it. And then the other half is kind of told through reenacting flashbacks and another haunting, beautiful score from Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a huge Eisenberg fan, but come on, dude. He absolutely embodied Zuckerberg and just became yeah. that dude uh, for two hours. Killed it. What I was going to say, and then I'll hear what you, what you have to say about social network. Uh, Andrew Garfield's performance in this, maybe. Maybe mm, is the I, one for yeah, me. Yeah, I knew you were thinking about that because I was thinking about yeah. that too. Yeah, but uh, I think that's the only one that maybe because I remember being devastated he didn't win that year. I was just like, "There's no." Way. I mean, this is fucking incredible. Yeah, he wasn't I even mean, nominated that year. I know. That's yeah. That's I know. So, uh, <laughs> Talk about snubs. What the hell? What the hell's going yeah. on? I mean, but you know, him walking in there and that one scene where he's like, "I'm not coming back for twenty percent. I'm coming back for everything." And the score swelling around him and that friendship falling apart before your eyes and. Uh, I mean, literally, like, you could pull that scene up on YouTube right now, and I would get goosebumps. I've seen it a hundred times. Yep. Like, every fucking time. Um, And it was just done so well. I mean, I love Justin Timberlake, even. (laughs) I'm a big fan of his, (laughs) uh, musically and on camera. So, I I love that he was a part of this movie. Dakota Johnson, a young Dakota Johnson in this movie. So, yeah, there's a lot of great things that that I just very fond memories of seeing this movie in the theater and I revisit it all the time. It's one of my favorites. So social network, do you want to segue to your number one or is it something else? Um, uh, it is 100% a segue <laughs> into the social network. I mean, yeah, it, man. it has to be this, that scene that you mentioned with Andrew Garfield, with the laptop, that's probably like the scene of, of Fincher's career. If mm-hmm. we could just take pluck out one scene, I think that's, that's the one. I mean, it, it trends on Twitter. Like, Every few weeks, I, I always just see that scene. The, the social network is is my favorite, obviously, because a, the fact that I even remember it when I watched it, I think speaks volumes to it. I think it is Aaron Storkin's best script. And really, to me, this is like the peak or everyone is operating at their peak. Mm-hmm. To me, obviously, you know, personally, I think this is David Fincher's best movie. I think this is his best directorial work. I don't think it works if it's in the hands of another person. I think mm-hmm. the Aaron Sorkin dialogue and the script go hand in hand with it. The fact that, you know, you you touched on it, what Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg has become as it aged, it kind of makes this movie even better in a weird way. I know there's talk of sequels, who you know, whoever knows. But the fact that people aren't even against a sequel and the fact that Facebook has become what it has become in people's eyes, I think it's aged the best. This is hands down Jesse Eisenberg's best performance. Mm -hmm. Personally, I would have picked him to win. 
that's just me though. I still believe this is Andrew Garfield's best performance, even though he puts in great performances all the time. Mm-hmm. The, to me, this is still the one. You said it, the supporting characters, even from the ones that don't have a lot of time, Justin Timberlake, young Dakota Johnson, Rooney Mara, opening scene, 99 takes, iconic. Dude, I went to that, I went to that bar. Uh, oh, we really? Were, we were in Boston. Yeah, it was oh, uh, nice. the actual bar, the Harvard campus where that was shot. And I was like, I got to go just oh, be yeah, there. Got to gotta just yeah, be yeah. in the presence of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even, you know, Cannibal himself, Army Hammer, you know, two of them. He he's great in this movie. <laughs> double he's dose, double dose hammer. of Army Hammer, which is too too many. But he's he's great in this movie. This is just everything is operating as it should, at least. And from what I've like kind of researched about the movie, the whole process was pretty smooth. They got who they wanted when they wanted them, and they just went. And I, I think it's uh, his masterpiece. Yeah, and I can remember seeing a trailer for this uh, early, early on in the theater. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had Facebook at the time, but you got to remember, it was really early on and like from a social media perspective. So it wasn't like it is today where it's like a new trailer is coming. You know, there's a trailer for the trailer now, you know what I mean? (laughs) You can like set a date to watch it on YouTube and whatever. But, you know, back then you just had you had to be at the cinema and you had to see the trailer come on before a movie. And I can remember seeing this and I didn't know anything about it happening or I was already a fan of Fincher. And I just remember being like, huh. Like David Fincher is doing a movie about Facebook. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like just imagine hearing that in 2010 and you'd be like, no, you have that wrong. You must have meant David, somebody else like that can't be right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he did it, man. And it, you know, like I said, it's part courtroom drama. It's part, you know, just this kind of like psychological breakdown between these different friends and, you know, and what greed can do to you. And yeah, I love it, man. On, on so many levels, I, th- I think it's easily one of Fincher's best. So I agree with you a hundred percent. So we're still doing our segues because my number one is (laughs) my number one is seven. You know, this is the movie, you know, you mentioned beautifully before, but this is the movie along with Pulp Fiction that came out like six or eight months before that, that really turned me into like, I go to the movies all the time. Uh, And I still do. I mean, we're talking, you know, decades later, I still have to do that. And it's because of the feeling I got when me and my friend Bob went to see this movie in the theater and the plot twist, the head in the box, the just dark, like melancholy, you know, world that, you know, kind of looked like New York City, but it wasn't. It was just this fictitious kind of like dreary, almost like Gotham City type, you mm-hmm. know, environment. Yeah. And you just you just go, man, that was so heavy. I got to see it again. <laughs> and he go back. <laughs> right. I mean, Morgan Freeman fucking killing it in this movie, dude. Like, oh, yeah. The absolute, you know, veteran, like mentor. And you get, you got the sense, too, with Freeman and Pitt, I feel like, too, much like their characters in the movie. Like, I feel like in a lot of ways it was, you know, Freeman is the veteran. Pitt's kind of the newcomer who's coming up in his career, kind of the hot shot, hot head, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their characters mirror that, you know, in a lot of ways, too. So I don't know if that was intentional or just a coincidence. But, you know, I think that was beautifully done. I mean, I love Gwyneth Paltrow. You know, sometimes she gets hate, but I love her. And the reason <laughs> I love her is because of this movie. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I just have such fond memories of her in this film. And, you know, Spacey's a piece of shit. <laughs> but it's almost like, yeah, of course he's the bad guy in this right. movie. You know, it <laughs> right. like fits so perfectly. Too perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Just such an inventive idea with the seven deadly sins. And, you know, religion is kind of a creepy thing anyway. Like, and I don't mean to offend you or anyone else, but it's just kind of a weird aesthetic. When, and when you put it in a thriller or a horror movie, it just kind of makes it extra scary, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. it is the un- it is the unknown in that respect. Yeah, sure. At least from my perspective. So I love this movie so much, man. You know, you got the opening... 
Uh, I think this actually was my number one when we did our opening title sequence oh, uh, yeah. with uh, Nine Inch Nails, Closer, yeah. and kind of a distorted remix of that song. And what what is really crazy is that Fincher is basically telling you the movie, you know, that John Doe's, you know, uh, razor blading his fingerprints off. They're showing all that stuff in the opening, but you don't yeah. know what you're looking at because, you know, you haven't seen one frame of the film yet. Yeah. And it's just, it's just so cool, man. So... One of my favorites, I can remember when I was in college, Jonathan, and I'll wrap up on, on seven, but we used to do this uh, as uh, like a film club when I, my first year of college, mm-hmm. and we used to rent out the kind of like community theater there, and we would screen movies, and it was my turn to pick, and I picked seven, and I can just remember just like an overwhelming like sense of pride, <laughs> like... When yeah. like watching the movie there because there's a lot of people that hadn't seen it and their mind was blown and they thought <laughs> that you know the different effects were so cool and like nice uh, and you know we we stayed after and we just kind of like talked about the movie for like an hour as a group and I don't know I just have such fond memories of that too because I feel like I introduced it to a lot of my friends back then and you know hopefully they're still Fincher fans today like we are so right that's there that's my number one. that's my number one yeah brother yeah <laughs> uh, that's my number one seven so we did cross up there kind of heavy in our top two but hey those are probably the two best. I mean, I don't think yeah. there's a ton of people that are going to stray away from that. But, you know, a social network in seven. So there you go. All right. We're going to take a quick promo break, Jonathan, just uh, like a minute or so. We'll come back. We will wrap up our top fives for everyone. We'll give some honorable mentions. And then I want to see what the fans had to say over on Facebook, too. Hey, <laughs> over on over on the social network. <laughs> let's see what fans had to say. There you go. Uh, see what we did there? We only did that for the Fincher episode. I don't normally <laughs> do that. <laughs> just kidding. All right. So we'll be right back, guys. Sit tight. Hello, listeners. Did you know that there is a lot more content where this episode came from? As you may know, we are an independent podcast and we rely on donations in order to keep going. Over on our Patreon site, you will find several ways to stretch your dollar. I am currently producing six exclusive series that you can only get there. They include popular ones such as My First Time and 100 G-Tunes. You'll also get regular main top five episodes, just like this one, super early, often weeks in advance. For as little as $1, you can help the show continue. Just visit us over at patreon.com slash two peas on a pod, or you can check the show notes for this very episode. Now let's get back to the countdown. Welcome back in, guys. As I said, pre-break, Jonathan, the film drunk is here, and we just had our conversation about David Fincher, the Lord, the Master, the one and only, one of our favorite filmmakers, and we gave our top five films from Fincher. Jonathan, just remind everybody what your top five was again, buddy. Number five is Fight Club. Number four is Zodiac. Three, Gone Girl. Two is Seven. And number one is The Social Network. There you go. I had a, a couple different ones, but we did match up on three at the end of the day. But my number five was Panic Room. My number four was The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Number three was Fight Club. My number two was The Social Network. And number one was Seven from 1995. So there you go. I think that was a good conversation about old David Fincher. Now, like I said, he's only done 14 feature films. How many honorable mentions did you want to shout out that didn't quite crack your top five? Um, it's pretty much the two that were on your list, uh, Panic Room and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Uh, that's, those are pretty much the, the two that I guess came closest to cracking my list. To round out my top 10, number six would have been Gone Girl, number seven would have been Zodiac, and then here's a couple we can talk about. So The Curious Case of Benjamin Button would have mm-hmm. been my number eight. What do you think of that one? Okay, so that one is a little bit interesting to me because I've seen that movie, however... I saw it when I was like around that age, 
Uh-huh. And so I really don't remember it <laughs> that, that uh, much. I'd be interested to see what you think about that as a Fincher superfan, because what I'll tell you is it is an extremely different entry for him. Like uh-huh. it is a one-off, unique film. It's very quiet, very subdued. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no, you know, thriller slash killer aspects going on. You know, it's it's even shot differently. It's a lot brighter. Yeah. And I feel like, and I feel like maybe I even heard this in an interview with him or something. Maybe I'm misremembering that, but I feel like it was an experimental movie for him in a lot of ways because he was doing a lot of different things and different styles that we didn't normally see from him. And what's interesting is we really didn't see it again after that. So I think it was a very experimental film for him, but Brad Pitt does great work in it. I love Kate Blanchett. Uh, I would say give it a go, man, especially as a, as a Fincher fan. I think you might like it. Yeah, yeah. That's one that I've definitely been meaning to read. I mean, I haven't even like logged it on Letterboxd because I was like, I genuinely don't really remember, remember this movie, except for the fact that me and my friends would just laugh about, you know, Brad Pitt, old, <laughs> the but young. Aging. Yeah, the reverse <laughs> aging. We just make all sorts of jokes. Yeah. So once again, another insanely long movie, but it is. yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm down to watch it. it is. And then the only other one that I would have mentioned that, had a shot at making my uh, initial list is uh, The Game from 1997, which he followed up seven mm-hmm. with Michael Douglas, uh, another psychological thriller, I would say. The Game. Yeah. Are you a fan of that one? I'm, I don't know. I need to rewatch that one because I, I, I start, it started to lose me a little bit as as the game just kind of kept going on. I feel like I this is the type of movie that I would like more with a second watch because I, you know, I had zero idea what this movie even was when I watched it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it just started to lose me with all the twists and turns for whatever reason. Yeah. But I can certainly see why people really love it. Yeah, I can see that. It's it's a uh, plot twist heavy in that movie. A lot of like you're like, oh, OK, this happened. Then you're like, wait a second. Wait, this happened. OK. Yeah. And it kind of goes back and forth like that. All right. So heading over to social media, wrap up the episode. Guys, make sure you check the show notes and join up to the Facebook fan community. That is where I interact with my fans the most. And every week I hit up the suggestion box. I said, what is your favorite? And I told them to only pick one David Fincher film. So let's see here. I'm assuming we already mentioned all of them, but let me give a shout out to some of these guys. Travis Crawford says Zodiac, hands down. Yeah, there you can't, go. Can't go wrong. I don't think we're going to see any Manx here or Alien say, 3. We did. Actually, we I have Alien 3 right here. Oh, what? Really? <laughs> so Brad from The Cinema Guy says Alien 3. Okay. Hey, fair enough, Brad. Fair enough. But you do I, you. Well, you say fair enough, but I laughed at his comment. Do you know how you can like laugh <laughs> yeah, at somebody? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sorry about that, Brad. But uh, I mean, I don't hate Alien 3, but I definitely think it's probably his worst film. I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, there's I guess there's a lot of studio interference with that one, at least from what I hear. But yeah, even yeah. with that being said, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of Alien 3. Let's see. Uh, Christiani, patron and friend of the show, says, and he's kind of trolling me a little bit here, but he says, as you did not say directed by, I will say Return of the Jedi because he was an assistant cameraman. <laughs> oh, so, what? All right, was uh, he actually? Uh, maybe. I didn't know that. <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. And uh, Travis responded to him with a gift that says, you are technically correct, the best kind of correct. Oh, wow. Let's see. Jared Taylor, patron in front of the show, says seven. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think nobody's going to argue with that one. Uh, Marshall, friend of the show, says, if you're talking films, I'm going to say seven and social network. But for series, it's got to be Mindhunter or House of Cards. Did you ever get into any of his uh, Netflix shows? Um, I watched the first season of Mindhunter. I really liked it. But as I do with nearly every show I watch that I like, I just stop for whatever reason. So Mindhunter <laughs> is very good. I never watched House of Cards. And yeah. uh, that's my relationship with TV. There you go. That's your summary of television. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Josh Ragland, patron and friend of the show, says, I am Fincher's best movie. And he's showing me a gif of Brad Pitt from Fight Club. Mm-hmm. I, see what you, I see what you did there, buddy. 
Uh, Julio shares the gif of Timberlake saying, you know what's cool? A billion dollars. <laughs> there we go. Finally. That's another iconic scene from that movie. True. That is. You know, that is another scene that literally everybody knows. Uh, Dan, uh, patron in front of the show, says Gone Girl. Hey, there you go. And I know you agree with that one. Sam Hurley says Seven. Uh, we also got a Seven from Hendo from the movie Journey. Joey Austin says Fight Club. I thought it was just some pretty boy movie about underground fighting with Brad Pitt. I had no idea the movie I was getting ready to see. Talking about Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good way that's to look at it. For sure, especially at that yeah. time because oh, it was yeah, before social that. media and everything. Uh, Dan Roski, top tier patron in front of the show, says seven. And he actually told me that by sharing a gif of the count from Sesame Street uh, <laughs> counting seven. So I appreciate that. Nice. Let's see. And I will end on Amanda Edmond because uh, she's a dear, dear friend of mine. She's been on the show many times. She's a very sweet, like down to earth girl with a white picket fence. And, and her film that she chose is Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Jeez. <laughs> And Amanda, I'm going to check on you when we're done recording. Oh, wow. Um, that that's your favorite, but I actually agree with you. It was in my top five. So, Dude, well, there I, have you to, go. I have to ask you, I mean, what are your thoughts on Mank? You know, it, it was nowhere near my list. Uh, Mank, I feel like, is one of those movies that I respect so much, like yeah. from a technical aspect, like, you know, seeing different clips from it. And, you know, when I watched it, like, I'm watching it going, I know this is good. Mm-hmm. I just don't care like i just don't connect to it i don't i, I didn't in, i mean i didn't hate it but i didn't yeah. enjoy it yeah you know mm-hmm. i'm kind of indifferent to it what about you um kind of the same i mean i'll admit when i first watched it, i actually really liked it uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was really well done it's just as that year went on i was like eh, i don't really have any inclination to rewatch it and you know it was in the oscars for like best picture and everything yeah and i was kind of looking just comparing it to the other set of films and i was like is this like the last pick for me or second to last pick but mm-hmm. yeah I, I i think most people are feel the way you do where they're like they respect it they admire it but they don't love it which is pretty much a death nail in any sort of awards race i guess yeah. i would kind of classify myself with that even though i oddly ranked it higher than the game oh wow okay well i mean I, you know like i said i didn't hate it and i know that it's a good movie and it's obviously extremely well made uh, mm-hmm. on all on all fronts you know acting i mean everything is great you know gary oldman is all top tier shit i just i don't know it was just a weird thing where i was just i just didn't connect to it yeah but one, no, but totally. one thing I, one thing i'll say is that i mean the oscars love movies about movies you know they love movies about themselves and like you know yeah. stuff that happened in hollywood and that's why it never surprises me when that stuff goes far during award season <laughs> right but right. you know you can't look at a mo- you can't look at mank and with a straight face and go this is a bad movie like you might not like it yeah but it's it's obvious that it's a very very well-made movie and that's kind of where i sit too i just didn't yeah. like it yeah know? i agree i mean i think technically it's really good it's just it it is a bit like meandering and you don't really emotionally connect much, but yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, man. So, uh, there we go. We had our David Fincher discussion, Jonathan from the film drunk, man. Um, I love having you on dude. Thanks so much for agreeing to do this. You know, I'm trying to get back in the game and you're helping me do that. I'm calling on some of my old buddies to come back on the show. So I really appreciate you making the time to do it. Oh, anytime, anytime. Love to be back. Yeah, man. Now just tell them real quick again, where they can look you up online before we sign off, brother. Yeah. Um, I make it, or I try to make it pretty easy. Just the film drunk on YouTube, Twitter, and letterbox. Are you going to, what, why, 
I know you've done a couple one-offs, Jonathan, but you got to start doing the videos drunk, dude. <laughs> you need oh, to actually man. be drunk when you do that. I know you've done a couple. I've yeah, seen... I've done it. I've done a couple. I, I try to yeah. save those for like the, oh, okay. the, the good I'm like, times. It's a false advertising here. The film drunk. I, mean, I, I got the films, know, but where's the drunk? Oh, you know? man. The fact that you bring that up, like just all the comments <laughs> are just like flooding to my mind right now. I, oh, I got to set man. one up. I got to set oh, one up for man. sure. Yeah, you got to do it, man. You got to do it. Yeah. All right, brother. Uh, Thanks so much for being here again. I really do appreciate it. Of course. All right, guys. We will see you next week. We'll be back with another top five. Everybody take care. (laughs) 